to For What It's Worth, an introduction and immersion into the furry fandom. As Strong Bad says, make sure to wear all black this Halloween. Be sure to cover your face and hands in electrical tape if necessary. Then, have a great time walking down the center of the road and darting quickly through intersections before you're run over by two fools, Rue and Tugs. Thanks for tuning in to This for American Life with Ira Glass. Um, today we'll be uh, talking <laughs> yes. about... Uh, <laughs> The clitoris. <laughs> yes, today we oh. will be talking about new uh, discoveries in the clitoris um, with our friend uh, in the cl- in the clitoris fields. <laughs> can, can we please? Can we please have him do this? Howard, <laughs> can uh, we, we should have him do that as an introduction. Welcome to For What It's Worth. This is season three, episode ten, Halloween time three, the son of the son of Halloween time one. What are you shaking your head at me for? You just took the Lord's name. You were horrible. What? Whatever. No, was that was that an attempted joke? Uh, I guess so. Yes. Winning. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Halloween episode. It is the third ha- Halloween special. Ha, I can't that. This is going to be a great episode. It is. You've been excited for this episode for a while. I know, I know. I'm like so excited. We have all the stories we have. We have some great guests that are here today. Say hi, guests. Hi, guests. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to them in a minute. What are we doing now? Well, what have you been up to? I have just been playing Final Fantasy. Awesome. I've been playing more Pokemans. No, yeah. Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemandius. Ma- you know, make sure I, you get the right yeah. plural, you know. Or or Pokey Pokeroo. <laughs> the joys of Pokemon <laughs> X and Y where you're like, hey guys, <clears throat> this is the embodiment of death and destruction. I named it Hasvelker after the uh, you know, corpse eating eagle Yotun of Norse mythology. He likes it when I pat him on the head and give him cupcakes. <laughs> so let's introduce our guests off of that wonderful introduction of yourself. Yeah, tell everyone who you who you are. This mysterious voice shall identify itself. Oh, hi. Um, my name's well, my furry name is Luprand. I am kind of an amateur cartoonist and other things, and sometimes I make flyers for a living. Flyers like you throw people? Yes. Uh, also, you know, advertisements and stuff. <gasps> you mean you could, like, take me on top of a cliff and, like, throw me off and then I would, like, fly? Yes, I want you to do that. Can you do that? Up till that last part, yes. <laughs> I could totally take you to the top of a cliff and throw you off and there we go. <laughs> we'll record this for posterity and then put it on YouTube. Uh, I, I mean, technically you'd be flying. It would just be straight down. <laughs> Tell everyone about your character. What species oh. is it? Um, German Shepherd Mutt. German Shepherd. What's yeah. the mutt part? Uh, mostly German Shepherd. There's a l- very small amount of various random things. Um, you know, Italian Wolf, uh, Cardigan Welsh cor- Corgi, and uh, the Volpino Italiano. It's like this little Italian guard dog that looks like a Pomeranian. How long have you been in the fandom? Um, I think officially in the fandom, I, I don't know. I started maybe around 2004 or so. Um. I mean, I'd been drawing random transformation scenes and stuff since I was like eight. 
Cool. <laughs> I have no idea what that just that was. was rude. I was rude. Apparently, someone just really enjoyed the fact that someone talked about transformation. No, there. that that was that was tails that bursting was through pants. I guess. Oh, tails! Is that what we're calling them now? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. He likes the tail bursting out of the pants. Uh, That's okay. why it was plural tails. Oh, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> just kidding. Days are hotter. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So, how did you get into the fandom? Um. Gosh, I. Um, I, <laughs> I am seriously drawing a blank. I like, was walking down the street and fell into a sewer where I hit my head really, really hard. And I woke up thinking I was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I think it, something about like internet and things happened and I was like, oh, what's this? It's a comic. And then from there I was like, oh, look, they have a links page. And it just kind of kept going from there. That's how it starts. Yeah. It's pretty th- there was a gateway drug involved, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so you you enjoy the fandom, though. It sounds like quite a bit. Oh are, yeah. Are you super active? Um, yeah. You know, I show up at uh, local meets and things. I've been to a, I think I've been to officially now two conventions. Um, and uh, you know, I post my art online and stuff. Nice. Where can they find your art? Um, for Affinity Looprand is the username. Do you have a Twitter account? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to share it. Okay. It's a protected account. Secret, yeah, I've secret. Got, I've got my more public one at Loop the Loop, but that's, you know, that's me saying banal things like, oh gosh, did I remember to poop today? You know. <laughs> I would hope that that's not something you forget. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Usually well, our body has a way of reminding us. Wonderful. You <laughs> saved me a segue, sir. Tell us about yourself since you're back. Um, all right. Uh, I'm Christian, and my persona is a border collie. I think I've... What is this, my fifth or fourth time on the show? Uh, it's been I don't, a couple times. Every, yeah. every now and then we pulled him out of the closet. I, weren't him you off. on like one of our first episodes? I think I was on like one of the first three or so. Um, I hardly remember that. That was like a really long time. You were ago, on but... the weren't you on the show with Cheetah Penis or something? Yeah, that's right. Um, we were both on the show, uh, and uh, I did the Halloween episode last year as well. And I provided the music then, and I'm going to be doing that again. So give us your best introduction through music. Like if you had like a theme song to like introduce you, you walked into a room. Bam, this is the music that they would hear. Sure, Maybe like in a movie or something like that. All right, let's let's uh, see if I can make something up. Um, Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies on, on a tuba. <laughs> That's when he stumbles into a wall and falls over. <laughs> Which is inevitable. So, how long have, remind our um, fans of the show, how long have you been in the fandom? Um, uh, Jesus. Um, no. Not that. Jesus is not a measurement of time, you fuck. Alright. What a wonderful start. I, uh, I think, uh, uh, probably like six years ish. I I haven't been really keeping track. Did you say fifty six years ish? No, I said six years. <laughs> no, I My God, I got the fifty. He, he's been a I'm, really I devoted am... fur- furry, like you know. He didn't have his coffee this For morning. years and years, 
while he was, you know, just a, uh, you know, just a uh, proto sperm in his father, and he was still like, "Dude, I am doing this." <laughs> okay, so I, I hope I hope I wasn't just sperm in my father for for like thirty years, though. <laughs> no, I, I'm saying <laughs> like, you know, one of the stem so cells. One of the stem cells in there. Maybe maybe as a metaphysical being. <laughs> You know, I wonder I, I if like, a... your little sperm sperms had like little furry conventions. No, no, no. They, they had like little mustaches on by the time they came out. Beards, <laughs> they're gray. They had two tails. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to classy things. Woo! Hello, welcome to Germicon. <laughs> Major Barrett is conducting. All right, should one. we go on to the haunted cookie? Uh, yeah, sure. Should we open this thing? Maybe have like a sperm? open it. Okay, here we go. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that was not a happy cookie. Its name was Wilhelm. <laughs> the Wilhelm? <laughs> All right, give me, give me like some deep voice or something. Give right. Rue puberty. <laughs> give me puberty! <laughs> okay. that, that did not happen to me in puberty. Yeah, the, the, I, I'm reasonably certain the uh, swirling vortex to hell is not what usually happens in biology class. It's what happens in the studio. What does the cookie say? Okay, here we go. One step in the wrong direction will cause you a thousand years of regret. Chinese saying, in bed with a cookie. <laughs> Uh, equal parts menacing and adorable. <laughs> a thousand years of regret. No! You cannot use that during the cu- cookie submit. A thousand segment. years Just... of regret in no. bed. That, um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what's going on there, but wow, what heck of a wrong step. Um, Good lord. Alright, well All let's right. move on with the show. You yeah, so we, we asked everyone to send in their stories, and of course, because you guys are the best audience in the world, you guys rose to the occasion and sent us... What are you doing? Uh, sent us the greatest stories we've gotten to date. Okay, well, actually, that's not true because we love all your stories. But you all sent us stories and came through just like we knew you would. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we're going to read some of those stories. If your story isn't in here, we apologize. Yep, we chose the cream of the crop. But that doesn't mean we didn't love everyone the same. We just gave some people cream at the same time. So, to kick things off... Well, this saying just took on a completely new meaning. Uh, To kick things off, we're going to go over to our guest, who has Firebreath's story. Written in rhyme by Firebreath. It was the night before November... And all through the studio, all the creatures were stirring. Koru was fiddling with some wiring. Rue was looking for a cookie that he could be chewing. Tugs was trying really hard to keep the guest waiting. I really have no idea what the problem might be, Koru said, getting a bit irked. I think it's just a bad wire. Maybe. I sure hope so. I'm ready to start. I found the bestest cookie! Rue brandished his newfound cookie in the air for everyone to see. Tugs was getting a drink, hoping to barter frustration for patience. I'm really sorry about this. Things usually, Koru started saying, but didn't finish his sentence. 
Koru rocketed on his feet. I got it, he said. He gave everyone in the rooms a thumbs up triumphantly, and managed to hit the low ceiling with his head. Watch out there, buddy, said Tugs, stifling a chuckle. Koru snorted. Whatever, the problem's fixed and we're ready to record whenever you're ready. Rue smiled. And now that we're taking care of that hurdle, and this all thanks to our resident techie. I'm sure it's because of the stupid house you inherited, said Koru with a shiver. Oh, don't be a scaredy cat, Koru, said Tugs. Heck, even Rue isn't scared. Well, that wouldn't exactly be true, said Rue, looking around. I'd rather if we didn't linger. Oh, not you too! Tugs threw his paws in the air. Next thing you'll say a ghost appeared! As if on cue, the temperature of the place plummeted. A ghost, you ask? said a voice. Why, you may be right, so rejoice! All three furries suddenly regrouped. Uh, who, who are you? asked Tugs, mustering as much courage as he could. This is my place, and we want to record our show, so get out! And why, the ghostly voice said, do you think I should? Because... the puppy bear was at a loss. It's more fun to be out and about? The ghost voice laughed. Good try, but not good enough. Answer my riddles if you think you're so tough. Rue raised his paw, as if asking a teacher a question in school. What? What happens if we can't answer your question, Mr. Ghoul? Very simple, my foxy friend, the voice replied. I get your show! That's it! Tugs sprung up on his paws, determined. You can have my soul, you can have my new house, but you can't have that! That's a low blow! That's for me to decide and you to accept, little puppy bear, the ghoul replied. Every fur sighed, and Tugs looked up defiantly. Fine, we'll do it! That's great! The The ghoul sounded so happy. Little puppy bear, you're showing grit! The ghoul cleared his throat. <clears throat> I'm blue, yet I'm happy-go-lucky. I'm also extremely loyal, but can be very... cocky. All three first looked at each other quizzically. Best of luck, my friends. Find the next riddle on the subject of the first one. Good luck, every furry. The ghost's voice tapered off in nothingness, leaving the three podcasters together. Our show's on the line, boys, Tugs confirmed. We can't lose it to some out of this world... Uh... All three thought very hard about the riddle the ghost gave them. If I didn't know any better, said Koru, I would say he's talking about the Rainbow Dash pony. You and your ponies, Tugs said. It's like your world's stern. Rue interjected between the two furries. You have to admit, it doesn't sound phony. Koru smiled and made himself small. And I brought a dash plushie. Ugh! Belched Tugs. Fine, let's go see. All three of them made their way to the wolf's bedroom. Lo and behold, the plushie was holding a piece of paper like an heirloom. 
Tugs picked it up and started re reading. I can be salty or sweet, nutty or chewy. Hot or cold, I can always crumble. Rue jumped in abject terror. My cookies! He exclaimed as he started running. Slow down, yelled Tugs. We don't want you to tumble. Everyone was running down the hall to Rue's room, the fox taking point. He slammed the door open, only to find his bag of cookies gone, eaten even. Who would do such a thing? He cried. My poor, poor cookies! Koru rolled his eyes. Fox, I am disappointed. A small sheet of paper floated down from the ceiling onto the fox's head. Tugs picked it up and started reading the text aloud. What's far yet near, with you every time you record, but is never around. Rue squeaked in terror. The spirits? Don't be ridiculous, Rue, barked Tugs at the fox. It's not like there are spirits here. Oh, are you sure of that, Tugs? said the ghost voice again. What do you make of me, then? We'll figure you out, ghost. I know we're getting near. <laughs> That's what you think, replied the voice. I'll talk to you later. Again. With not another sound, the voice disappeared as it came. The silence was unsettling. Soon the podcasters couldn't help but wonder. Koru shrugged. I can't think of anything else. Maybe the computer? I don't see how, but let's check it anyway. I have no idea all the same. They got back to the studio. Koru looked at his console. What's this? He kneeled down and looked around, doing his best not to throw fits. A cable has been unplugged and is running along the walls. The little group followed the cable into a small room on the second floor. It ran along many walls and they just followed until it came to a room with a closed door. The furries stopped and listened. Hearing nothing, they stuck their ears on the door to hopefully hear more. The sound was still muffled, but they could make out a voice on the other side. Mustering all their courage, they pushed the door open forcefully. Oh dear dog! Someone cried. I didn't expect you guys to be around, said a golden retriever puppy. Everyone quickly recognized the voice. Fire breath? asked Tugs. Well, yeah, replied the dog, trying to hide something. And what are you doing here? Rue continued. Not that we're sad to see you and give you hugs. Koru yelped. Why didn't you tell us you'd be here for the recording? I wanted to make you guys the surprise, said Fire Breath sheepishly. Tugs chuckled. You weren't late in recording, were you? No, he said. Whatever makes you think that, he replied coyly. He shifted around a bit. Yeah, I, I was, it's true. So you came to record? That's good, said Tugs. We can have a full show, right on. As soon as we find the ghost, said Rue, obviously worried. Yeah, about that, Firebreath said. I needed time to record my lines, so I tried to do a diversion. <sighs> Why didn't you just say so? Silly puppy, replied Tugs as he chuckled. So the four of them got ready and recorded the best Halloween episode yet. Many laughs were had, town names were changed by Rue, and other names were mispronounced by Firebreath.
the end. Or is it? <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> I love talking like Rue. <laughs> Your next ident that you send in, talk like Rue. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Actually, someone should do that. <laughs> Hi, this is Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Boy. I like cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually didn't read his story and at all. Like I could have, but it's more fun when we just read it on the air. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well, it's time for me to ask a question for all, to all of you. Do you like the idea of trunk or treating? Well, first of all, we should no. tell people what trunk You're or treat right. is because I think that trunk or treat is just something that we do no. in Utah. It actually didn't start in Utah. Really? I, I've nope. seen it done in Ohio. Yeah, it started in the East. We'll get to that later, but it is, I, I think I do have it in the notes. Okay. Um, but yeah, trunk or treating. Uh, well, let's ask. You guys know what trunk or treating is, right? Yeah. Uh, you line up a bunch yeah. of cars and. Uh, you know, they, they go to a like a parking lot. Yeah, you know, maybe at a church or something. Up, yeah, a church or a civic center or, or a school, a prison. I I never prison. <laughs> a prison is good. <laughs> Here, little kids, let's give you candy. I grew up in Cleveland. Okay, <laughs> I never, uh, I never, I never tried trunk or treating because my parents loved me. Um. Well, it seems to be a relatively new thing. Like when I was a kid, trunk or treating I'd never heard of. See, like I remember, you know. Uh, probably five, six years ago, I was helping out with one, and my dad gets into these things, like, any excuse to, like, build random decorations for things. And so he took the uh, minivan that we had at the time, flipped the hatch up, and used a bunch of tarps and random things, and actually turned the back of the minivan into this gaping monster mouth. See, that's that's cool. I like that. And you don't see act- that Well, much, and though. a lot of people do actually, that, like, they decorate their cars and stuff like that. But what do you think about it replacing trick-or-treating? Because that's what it's starting to do, at least around here. Well, I think that the reason for it is a lot of parents are concerned. There, there was that scare of people putting razors and stuff into candy. Like, you remember those commercials where it's like, you have to make sure that you check all of your kids' candy, make sure that they're not given, oh, yeah. like, razors to that's, eat. That's, um, that's an urban legend. No one's ever done that. But I, I there was a scare that saw, was happening. I saw a thing where it was one parent did it, and it was like trying to harm his own kids, and it was right. He wasn't giving them out to kids. I'm like, Have an apple. Ignore that slit on the side. Who's gonna eat a cut up apple like that? There's yeah. There's a. I just feel like it's mostly just the result of paranoia. It's just this could happen. Yeah. And so therefore, for them, because it's in this enclosed environment, maybe it's something that's safer. For some people, um, that might be a factor. I think another one is that parents are lazy and they don't want to go. Thank you. That's what to... yeah, they, they don't want to like walk with their children. That's part of the fun. I mean, seriously, when I was a kid, it was a rite of passage when you got to go trick or treating without your parents. You were finally old enough. Yep. And well, and I, like my neighborhood, it was it was probably five or six kind of clustered blocks together. It was a subdivision, and everyone basically knew each other. Um, but it was like, yeah, go out on your own and have fun and report back in by your curfew because well, no cell phones. And that's then. probably okay in that type of a community where it's kind of close niche. But in a community like, let's say, like here um, in Salt Lake. I would still... Like no, I, I maybe like the projects, not Salt Lake. Yeah, see, like, okay, 
projects. I, I, I grew we up, could talk about. Yeah, you know, I grew up in a you know little rural village about an hour east of Cleveland, and I mean, yes, it was a very long walk to get from house to house. Well, not too bad, but you know. <laughs> I think it's also nowadays that it's like people are kind of scared of different things, and they want mm-hmm. they want to go to a place where everybody is knows why they're there they're there for candy they're for, there for you know socializing whatever it may be but they're all there for a purpose like for for instance you guys last year at least i heard at your guys's house you didn't want to answer the door for kids oh you know you hate doing that i wasn't here i went off to uh party so, with lots of booze but so the yeah, and i was working trunk or treat gives people um you know a way in which they can go and everybody there is knows that that's what they're participating in. See, I think it's a piece of Americana to go around and trick or treat. It yeah. is it is what it is. See, like wearing yeah. your costume for 20 minutes to walk around in a parking lot is dumb. Yeah, uh, I like how I you mean, described it as Americana, like it's going to appear in a museum someday. It is. It's yeah. going to be <laughs> that's a little motion and an apple with a razor blade. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's it's going like, like something in the Smithsonian, you know, Museum of American History, and there will be just a tableau of, you know, people sitting on the porch in tacky costumes and children walking up and going, "Give me treats." It'll be like 300, 300 years ago, we didn't develop a, a whole series of strings to deliver candy directly to your doorstep, so you wouldn't have to face the fears of going outside. They used to walk to each other's houses and take candy from their neighbors. And that's going to be like a piece of. You know what's going to happen? There's. (laughs) I probably shouldn't be saying this on the air, but I'm going to say it. It's going to come back to bite me. There's probably going to be some sort of like. Okay, this is way horrible, but there's probably going to be some sort of like massacre, a massacre at a um, trunk or treat type thing. And a whole bunch of people are going to die, and then trunk or treat's going to be. All right. Well, it, actually, our producer, which is actually you know, our sound tech, I'm the producer. The sound tech has let us know that we actually do need to take a break because we are way over our allotment of memory. Okay. So we'll take Whoops. a break, uh, and then we'll come back. There's no news this show because there's no news in the furry world lately worth reporting. Nothing happened. Yep, that's a good thing. So we will be back sometime. Do you dare pit your sanity against our marathon of fright? Shock follows shock. Your breath comes in gasps, hearts fall. Then, the mind explodes. For the unlucky ones, a straitjacket and a free trip to the booby hatch. <laughs> See the grisly, macabre marathon of fright and learn your fate. Will it be life or living death? (laughs) The day of doom is coming. Your blood will turn white. Your face will turn green. Your eyeballs will pop with pressure. Because our Doomsday shows the living end. Forge your strength. Take a shot. You're going to need an awful lot when you see our shocker pictures. So terrified that it is easier to die than 
to live. Come if you must, but make your wills. Say your goodbyes, for soon you may be up in the skies. Doomsday is coming to me. This is Kira the Fox from Tijuana, Mexico, and you're listening to For What It's Worth. So during the break, <laughs> we had um, something hilarious that just happened. We, we gave um, everybody in the house some drinks. I had pony cups. What? Keep going. And we gave Tugs a pony cup, and he looked at it like it was the most disgusting thing ever. So it, it was, was, it awesome. was Pinkie Pie too. So it was all pink. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. We love you, Tugs. All right, well, on with the show. I'm glad he's trolling himself. That's that's a first. Moving on. All right. So let's get back to our stories. That's right. You're next. Hmm. And here it comes. Phrasing. If you give a fox a cookie, by Lupren and Ruchi Lexico, inspired by If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, by Laura Numeroff. If you give a fox a cookie... He'll probably ask for another one. When you give him a second cookie, he'll probably point for the box of cookies. When he's finished with the box, he'll ask you for a ride to the store. Then, he will look at all the different brands of delicious cookies available for purchase. He will fill up the cart up to the top with a dozen boxes. A dozen dozen boxes, in fact. Which is sometimes called a gross. If you eat that many cookies, sometimes you may feel that way. So he'll probably need you to pay for all of them. Because when did foxes ever carry money? When he gets into the car, He will start to devour the cookies, because foxes are known more for their cleverness than for their patience. He may even become too heavy and round for the car. You'll have to call for a dump dump truck or a rear-end loader. Front-end loader. When it arrives, it may be filled with cookies for reasons left unexplored. When he's done eating those cookies, he'll probably roll over on top of you and go to sleep. This may hurt. You'll have to squirm your way out from underneath and call for a bulldozer to roll him back home. He'll groan as he rolls over and over and over until he comes to a rest against the side of your house. He'll probably ask you to brush his fur because all of the rolling got it very messed up. 
So you'll find a wine brush and get to work. Then he'll look, I mean, when he looks at the mountain of shed fur, he'll ask you to knit into a comfy blanket, which all naps require. Then he'll want to wear it around his neck like a superhero cape. He'll even stick out his front paws and pretend to fly. Which means you'll have to construct a complicated apparatus to hold him into the air. He'll sway peacefully in the breeze with his cape trailing after him. Swaying like that is thirsty work. So he'll ask you for a five-gallon drum of milk. And chances are, if he asks, if he asks you for milk, he's going to want more cookies to go with it. The end. The end. And the next episode, uh, the next story is going to be if you give a fox Weight Watchers. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you give a fox Weight Watchers, then they wind up having butt problems. <laughs> what? Yeah, you'll have to, you know, find him another rear end loader. Yeah. <laughs> rear end loader. Speaking of rear end loaders, Rue, how, how do you celebrate Halloween? <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> what i do well i usually eat cookies on that day no um i usually do the show and do you give candy out i i don't i nobody comes to our house ever yeah so. your house is new and no one knows where it is yet. no be quiet it That's doesn't <laughs> exist on google <laughs> so therefore it cannot be found that's right you know yeah. so no we don't give candy out either i put a sign on alert says we eat children go away except for uh Overly uh, verbosious dad. Yeah, so last Halloween, last Halloween we had someone, um, I guess Rusty was watching uh, one of the people who lived in the house here, was watching... um, Rusty is one of their roommates, just so you know. And he was watching TV, and um, he heard a knock at the door, so he turned the sound off, and we turned off the front porch light and put the sign up, so it's like, we're really trying to tell you that we're not here. His dad's being on the door, I know you're in there, I can hear you. You know, it just like, <laughs> you know, you like give candy? You know, he was like demanding we give his kid candy through the door. Finally, he went away. But you. he tore our sign off. Really? Yeah. It's like He's kind of a dick. Yeah, I don't know who it was. Uh, uh, I usually dress up for work. We always dress up for work. My, my work is crazy. Like we had last year, we had Richard Simmons. We had like three sides. That is scary. <laughs> Richard Simmons in three sides. We had an Oopa Loopa. Oh my gosh. And then we had Carl, I mean, not Carl, sorry. Um, the Carl K- Sagan. No, the KFC guy, Colonel Sanders. Carl Sanders. Carl Sanders. He's like the black cousin. Carl Sandberg, there you go. It tastes like chicken. I love it. Oh, lordy. Chickens. Chicken and waffles, all naughty. <laughs> Chickens and waffles. <laughs> they got the chickens. Right. What do you guys usually do for Halloween? Um, well, I uh, personally, I usually I actually go over to my sister's house because she lives close enough, and uh, you know I'll hand out candy from her front porch while she and her husband take the kids out. Um, this year I don't know because apparently they have like. 
three or five different trick-or-treat things happening because there's like a community one and a school one and a church one and the they're all different treat. and they're all different days um so i may actually just wind up sitting on my own front porch for once and being like um you want I, some candy but you know I'll, I'll just kind of sit there i might you know dig out some of my stuff from my old medieval club days and just be like hail and greetings and fie upon thee wouldst thou care for some draino <laughs> Everyone in Final Fantasy XIV talks like that. Now, so when someone uses Old English, I'm like, what? I have three things in twain. Oh, or gosh, ye older butcher to Englisher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, Christian, what do you normally do? I get naked. I don't, I don't really have a routine. Last year, I just kind of uh, watched a live stream and... You know, gave out candy. gave out candy to Some the little little flesh babies. <laughs> <laughs> Make containers of human flesh babies. Flesh you, babies coming uh, to a. Yeah. Do you watch like horror movies or anything? No, I I don't really watch any horror movies. I'm not scared of them. I just don't watch them. I watch Afro horrors. Afro horrors. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, sorry. I watched The Grinch, and then I switched back to Afro horrors. Um, all I'm, all I'm saying is it's really sounding like you guys are saying horror movies instead of horror. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is a new side of Halloween. I guess that's why they always make all the sexy costumes. Oh yeah, for sure. I love watching it. That's horrors. why every single costume that's at like a party store or costume store, every single the gir- one of the girl costumes look like sluts. <laughs> like the sexy nurse and the sexy officer. They're and, all and sluts. The, the sexy okay. Well, slut on Tumblr, costumes. on Tumblr, I saw like I saw. I'm not joking. It was like sexy Bert and sexy Ernie. Uh, <laughs> Are they sexy for each other? Wow. I well, saw they're, one they're... where it was uh, the, the sheriff guy from The Walking Dead, and then they also had a sassy version for the women. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like short skirt and high heeled boots. How come and... guys can't wear sexy costumes? They can. Really? Some they guys, can cross Some dress. guys can pull it off. But they're <laughs> why? Um, but why? Why? That's not the direction of marketing, though. I think the point is, yeah. you know, like they don't market sexy costumes to guys. Like I know a certain well, kangaroo that can pull off a really, really good uh, Doctor Frankenfurter. Tonight, that Frankenfurter is appearing somewhere. Oh, really? Yes. Be warned. <laughs> Tim Curry can pull it off. Why don't we have sexy Tim Curry costumes? <laughs> have you seen him lately? No, I'm a, I never hang out with him anymore. A sexy Tim Curry from uh, Home Alone 2. <laughs> uh, the concierge, say is, a sexy concierge. Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> was fabulous. Yeah, now imagine <laughs> sexy Long John Silver. Oh, you know, I'm going to do that while you read your story. So. Oh, okay. It's time for another story. All right. Uh, this is one that I actually wrote last year for a creative writing group. It's kind of spooky, I guess. quiet enough at old man Taggart's place. The old man himself was fast asleep. The lights were off, and the vegetable garden and orchard sat nice and placid in the moonlight. His prized crop of ghost pumpkins gleamed softly, round and plump and white as the moon above. At least until a figure stood over them, grinning as he hefted the baseball bat in his hand. No one knew why he did these sorts of things. All he could tell was that he didn't have any family to speak of and didn't really have any friends either. 
just a couple of lackeys who would laugh on cue when he was beating someone in the face. But the lackeys weren't there tonight. Even they had certain standards of right and wrong, and vandalizing an old man's pumpkin patch in the middle of the night just seemed unreasonably cruel. Especially the way he doted on those pumpkins, watering them by hand every day and even calling them by name sometimes. Maybe that was why Rick had such a broad grin as he raised the bat. Let it sit there in midair for a few tantalizing moments and then brought it down on one of the pumpkins, splitting it open with a strange and nearly vulgar thwack. He breathed in the scent of the dying gourd and swung at it again, and then again, spilling its innards and seeds across the ground. Some of the guts went flying into the air with each swing, somersaulting frantically away across the garden and spattering against the other plants. One by one, he obliterated the pumpkins, bludgeoning them until they were good for nothing more than fertilizer. Again and again, his bat swung down, cracking, beating them until there were no more pumpkins left to smash. He grinned once more as he surveyed his night's work, while unbeknownst to him, a solitary vine crept quietly up the fence post by the gate. It was only as he made, was making his way out of the garden that he saw a single flower bud on the end of the vine. He snorted softly at the sight of it. Guess I'll save you for later, he muttered, reaching out to flick the furled petals. The blossom snapped open and sprayed a noxious pollen in his face. He staggered back, gagging on the dust, sank to his knees to try to catch his breath. And that's when the other vines struck, lashing out at him, wrapping around his wrists, his legs winding tighter and pulling at him until he was trapped, spread-eagled on his back, unable to move no matter how frantically he yanked at the vines. He could just lift his head far enough that he could see the plant settling down again. Except for one last vine. A root, really. It crept up toward him, diving in and out of the earth and then slowly feeling its way along over his side. Rubbed up against him, rasping against his skin until he cried out in pain. It was all it took for another vine to wrap around his head, forcing his jaws open wide. Another vine pulled his back tight against the earth, squeezing his chest until he could hardly breathe. And now that he couldn't scream, the root stabbed into his stomach, blinding him with pain as it spread his tendrils through his viscera. As the pain slowly turned to an all-encompassing darkness, Rick could just barely catch sight of that one spent blossom, swiftly withering as its vine dropped innocently to the ground once more. The next morning, old man Taggart made his slow, arthritic way out to the garden, whistling a dusty tune as he clutched his tin watering can in one gnarled, trembling hand. He stopped at the gate and saw the wreckage. The can tumbled from his hand and slopped its contents out over the curiously undisturbed soil. Oh, Penelope. Griselda. Even Scotia. He moaned in desperation. Every last one, he whimpered, casually nudging the leaves aside with his cane. But then, just a little distance from the gate, he saw it. One last bone-white ghost pumpkin. He sighed, and his shoulders sagged in relief. It's not a complete loss, then, I guess. He drew a penknife from his pocket and gently harvested it with a murmured, if I may. He then carefully scooped the gourd into his arms and started to totter back toward his house, already sure of what expression to carve into it when he made a jack-o'-lantern that night.
a scream. Tentacle Porn, only on for what it's worth Halloween specials. Get some today. I, wow. <laughs> um. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rue's all quiet over there. <sighs> that was good. Thank you. That, that's about as close as I've ever gotten to a, scre- to a, like, a creepy, scary story. Ghost I, was, I was getting goosebumps. <laughs> Are you really? Wow. Nice. Uh, yeah. Glad you approve. Do you carve pumpkins? No, no, I think that, no offense, I, I love you guys that carve them and stuff, but for me, I just, it's just too much mess, and I just, you know, you make it, and then it's like, eh, I, I just, I don't know, I'm not the greatest. I, I carve pumpkins out of wood. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, a new alternative of they. I, I saw this actually. They are now just making plastic pumpkins. If you don't like all the mess and you're no fun, like you, Rue. Uh, Thank you. And Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, and uh, and like I I don't know. I just saw this at a, at a friend's house actually. His father carved carved a pumpkin, and I guess the the nice thing about it is you don't have to go through that whole arduous, obnoxious process of finding the the perfectly geometric pumpkin to carve. As well, well, but sometimes so. those, you know, those weird-looking pumpkins kind of give like char- characteristics oh, yeah. and stuff like that. But um, last year, the pumpkin I carved had this horrified expression, looking upward, and that's when you realize the knife handle is still sticking out of it. Ah, that's amazing! Wait, actually, Luprin, why don't you tell them about the the pumpkins we have at home and what you were planning with that? Because I think oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. It's. I've got one regular orange pumpkin. I've got one of those white pumpkins, and then a few small, you know, little decorative gourds. And I'm planning to uh, carve them into Pac-Man, one of the ghosts, and the little gourds are power pellets. I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. I, I think I, I'm sure it's been done before, but it's just you know a fun little thing to do. That's cool. That's cool. We don't carve pumpkins because I feel like every time I'm reaching and do a carved pumpkin, I feel like I'm pulling out a brain or something. It's just gross. It's uh, like the word moist. Oh, what was that? That was uh, Calvin and Hobbes did that, where he's like, "Okay, time for your lobotomy, Jack." <laughs> I don't give lobotomies. I guess. Uh, hold on. Who has Gypsy Jack's story? Uh, that's me. Oh. I, I can hand it off to someone else if they want, or go for it. All right. Let's see, it's titled Lost in the Dark. It is dark and cold. I'm alone in my room, and I'm scared. It's going to happen again. I can hear the monster. It's outside my door. The monster is loud, scrabbling at the lock, trying to find a way in. A sharp rattle echoes across the room, and there's a chunk. The monster got through the lock. And then with a creak, the monster opens the door and floats in. A dim glow of green light sweeps the room. Behind the glow, the monster is a dark silhouette in the murky darkness. It takes deep, rasping breaths as it turns its head this way and that, searching the room. The monster can't see me. I'm hiding in the cupboard, 
I peek through the slats and I see it in profile. It looks like it might have been human once, but now it's like a shadowy wraith gliding through the space of my room. The differences in the long tubes were wrapped around its neck and embedding themselves in the monster's back, from which protrude large cylindrical bulges, and its feet end in long black fins. My heart is pounding as the monster comes closer to my hiding place. With each rasping breath, it comes closer, methodically searching the room. My blood freezes as the monster's claw wraps around the cupboard door's handle, begins to pull it open. I feel the change instantly. The temperature drops and I feel a rush of energy, my teeth elongating, my hands becoming claws, and with an ear-piercing shriek, I launch myself at the monster. My aim is true. I feel my teeth puncture its neck and the warm blood gush of blood filling my mouth. I let him fall to the floor, blood streaming out of the wound in its neck. I can tell now it was a man, not a monster. The tubes wrapped around its face hit the floor and slip out of his mouth, releasing a stream of bubbles in the water as they drift. My claws shift back into hands and bringing them up to my mouth, I can feel my fangs retracting back into teeth. I spit and wipe my mouth with the back of my sleeve. He's not the monster, I am. I watch as the red stain fades and my sleeve returns to its normal color. Once it was white, but now like the rest of me, it's a pale, transparent green. I drag his body across the room and open the closet. In there are the remains of the others. I close the door after laying him in and I scratch another mark onto the door jam. There are six in all. I don't know why, but after I do this, I always forget what I've done. Maybe it won't always be this way. I, I, I want to be different. Maybe next time things will be better. Uh, I wasn't always this way. I remember the beginning. Was, the year was 1908. Mama, Papa, and I had gotten tickets for the steamship FSS Hannah from London to Boston to visit Papa's relatives in America. Midway through the crossing, disaster struck. Mama and Papa had sent me to bed while they attended the party on the deck, so I don't, I don't know how exactly what happened on the surface, only what happened below. I had been raiding in our cabin with the help of a hurricane lantern when I felt the impact. The room seemed to shake. My lamp fell to the floor. Papa's suitcase fell from the top shelf and burst open. Mama's knitting basket tipped over and balls of yarn wrapped across the floor, and all of the cupboard drawers swung open on their hinges. I heard a horrible creaking noise, and I could feel all the way through my bones, and then came the roar of the ocean. We had been hit by something. The ship began to list. I snatched the lamp from the floor, ran to the cabin door. I had to find Mama and Papa. They would know what to do. I opened the door and immediately closed it. Water was rushing down the hall. There was no escape that way. I circled around the cabin looking for a window or a chimney, but there was nothing. There was nothing but to go out the door. I went to the door, setting down my lap, but it was stuck. The water pressure had sealed me in. I pushed, I pulled with all my might, but it was no use. I was trapped. I began to pound at the door with my fists, screaming for someone to help me. To my surprise, something happened. The door began to bow inward. Streams of water began to spray from the seams. I shrieked and jumped up on the bunk just above the door, gave way. The water rushed in. My lamp was swept over and extinguished, but the water plunging into the room, into the darkness. The water rose quickly, first to my feet, then up my legs, my chest, over my head. The water was so cold and dark. 
My chest hurt from trying to breathe. My heart pounded on my head. I saw spots and everything disappeared. No sound, no light. I could feel nothing. There was just the void. No, there was something there. A light. Faint at first and then brighter. I reached for the light, but I was stuck. I looked down. Around my waist was a long chain, and attached to the chain was an anchor. I looked back to the light, but it was fading. I struggled to break free, but it was no use. The darkness swallowed me. When I awoke, I was here. My, my cabin in life became my prison. I cannot leave the, the threshold. I'm trapped. I don't know why. I'm so lonely here, in the cold and the dark. Why won't someone come for me? I got goosebumps that time. <laughs> I know. These stories just get better and better every I know, year. we're just like rubbing our arms. <laughs> well, thank you. That was that was a lovely story. <laughs> Many thanks to Gypsy Jack for that one. Mm -hmm. So, let's talk about Halloween today. Last year we talked about Halloween before. And now we're going to talk about Halloween today. So, did you know that when the people who came out, the settlers, the people who came over. <laughs> the settlers did not celebrate Halloween when they got here? No, it's... No. No, they didn't. It's because them Irish came over later and gave it to us. But actually, it was because the first settlers were very puritanical, and they thought that it was a devil's holiday with Isn't pagan it, roots. Yeah, wasn't it a pagan holiday or something? It uh, started off as a pagan holiday called Samhain. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, as the uh, Catholic churches want to do, they said, Oh, you have a festival then. Well, so do we. <laughs> yeah, and that was the All Saints. Yeah, they, they did All Saints, and then they were like, Well, you know, the night before All Saints, we call it All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's the night when people dress up as scary things to keep the evil spirits at bay. That seems to be kind of contradictory. <laughs> Why would? How can you scare an evil spirit? Wouldn't they want to see evil things? Um, it's either you know keep them away or keep them from noticing you. Cause oh look, I'm a monster too. Don't mind me. Sneak, sneak, sneak. And then uh, you know, then that way everything's all good and holy for All Saints Day, and everybody can you know pray. Makes sense. Hmm. So trick or treating. Yeah, trick-or-treating. How did that mm -hmm. start? In 1934, people just started doing it. Really? Yeah. Just... Yep. Just spread. Out of the blue. Like, could you imagine, like, all of a sudden the kid just came out on a regular day, knocked on the door, and it was like... Give me candy. Give or me I'll, candy. Or I'll, like, trick, trick or you treat. or something. Well, I'm sure it started, like, trunk-or-treating again. It probably just... It was cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard this on the news this week. Utah has double the average attendance for haunted houses. <laughs> I know, we really like that. Sorry, I'm like terrible with jump scares and stuff like that. Oh, I, yeah. I hate haunted houses. Utah has tons and tons of haunted houses. I have no idea why. We like it. We they have... open in the spring too for a while. It's kind of cool. It's yeah, I don't know. Really weird. I mean, we have a theme park that even. Because, you know, Easterine. Easterine, that's right. <laughs> when the haunted bunny comes along and leaves ghost eggs on your. Wait, 
Wait, no. <laughs> in Boston, because we were talking about this, they have a Saints Festival in the Catholic community instead of a Halloween hmm. celebration. Kind of an interesting holdover. Let's see, in France, there's a part of the population which is extremely um, resistant to Halloween celebrations. They view it as an American holiday. It's American. Despite uh, the fact many countries celebrate it. It's kind of the same way a little bit in Australia. Like, there were kids, when I was there, there were kids that were coming and knocking on our door and they weren't even in Halloween costumes doing trick-or-treat. And I'm kind of like, you're missing the point, kids. (laughs) We're out of time in this segment. So... We are going to go to our last break, and then we will come back and read some more of your stories and play the game. For what it's worth truly is driven by your letters, emails, voicemails, and more. The show would be a lot more boring without you. You make the difference. Here's how you can join in the fun. To comment on today's show topic, Visit forwhatisworth.com and leave your thoughts on the show notes page. You don't need to create an account to do so. Email the show at cast at forwhatisworth.com for general comments. Rue at forwhatisworth.com. Tugs at forwhatisworth.com. And if you're lonely, Koru at forwhatisworth.com can be used to contact a specific cast member. Voicemail is awesome and you don't have to type. So call 469-44-FURRY and leave us a message. Long-distance charges may apply. Send cookies, packages, love, and not bombs to P.O. Box 25394, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84125, United States. If you would like to remain anonymous, just let us know and we will keep it that way. Before sending items to the show, please be aware we cannot return them to you for safety reasons. If you have original music or art you'd like played on the air or displayed on the website, send it to music at forwhatitsworth.com. If you'd like to keep up between shows, check out our Twitter, at For What It's Worth, our Facebook page, or our Google Plus page. It's a great way to get your show fix and see what we're up to. And now, back to the show. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we go to that, uh, today's ident was brought to you by Kira. So thank you for the ident, Kira. Thank you. And guess what, guys? What, guys? We need more. We're out. So come, please send. Phrasing. What? Phrasing. Phrasing. What? Never mind. Send in your idents. <laughs> so come. <laughs> thank you. Send in your idents. Uh, the instructions are on forwhatitsworth.com. There's a button that says, do our ident, where you can say you're listening to For What It's Worth. So give us and an example cool. of an awesome ident. You're listening to For What It's Worth. Don't do it like that. Okay. You're listening to For What It's Worth, where we discuss the fluctuating price of ermine. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say... Uh, we've been really pleased with those idents, and, and I'm kind of sad we're out. So I know you guys will rise to the occasion um, and keep them coming. Even if you sent one in before, if you want to do another one and it's funny, go for it. Have fun with it, because this is that's your time to shine, and it makes everyone feel just a little bit closer. So moving on, Farron has sent in a bit of a story. This is a apparently not the complete edition, but it is what we have. It is the typical Halloween story. It's called Stories in the Woods. It was 
Another Lonely Night. <laughs> 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 All right, we might have to redo that. It was. <laughs> okay, that that would be the most awesome horror story right there. Just it was. The end. Oh, <laughs> metaphysical. <laughs> it's so deep. What was? Everything is. It was. Okay. All right, now we're gonna do it. It was another lonely night at Skyward Sword Cabin for the three boys. Sor, see, Sornin the Labrador was sharpening his swords, and Kota the Fox and Mero the Cat were playing a game of chess. The events went on a great while. When a clock hit midnight, the friends were startled by a huge clap of thunder. The friends knew it was too close for it to be a normal storm, because they live in a forest far from any forms of civilization. So looking cautiously, they look outside to see that there's no storm, but the, that had destroyed the solar panel to supplying the house's power. As the group starts to complain of what they're going to do for power, the remaining energy runs out as suddenly as the lights go out and everything's quiet. Instinctually, Soren went to the kitchen for a flashlight, just to find there was a foul scent coming up from the basement. Mero came up behind Soren and opened the door to see a large pile of something. So walking down the steps, Mero was able to see that the pile wasn't just rubble, it was bodies of friends. With the sight of his friends in a body pile, his only reaction was to scream. Both Fox and Lab ran downstairs to see their friends dead and the cat laying over them sobbing. Looking around confused, the Lab noticed a small pile of blankets lying on the floor as if someone had been sleeping on them. He went to look around them to see a knife and a handful of small handgun shells. Three sat in the basement. They could hear the sounds of crickets outside chirping. The three started to doze off when a rattling sound came from the doors upstairs. The three rose and started this, started up the stairs when the sound of the front doors breaking open startled them. In panic, they looked for a hiding place and saw a large chest and managed to fit in when they watched a large figure walk down the stairs with something large in its arms and drop it on the pile of bodies. The figure looked around, noticing stuff was moved, and started looking for a faint set of foot tracks, which he found leading to the chest the boys were in. The boys watched the figure come toward them and knew they had to run. The figure was now standing over the chest, and the eyes were as red as blood. The three readied themselves for the kill. The figure turned for the bed of blankets, which gave them a chance to run away, and they took it in a mad dash, soaring leading the group. Kota was in the back when he had been grabbed and disappeared forever. I told you it was creepy. The ending is up to you. It was. One week since I looked at you. (laughs) (laughs) It was. So that was that was Farron's story. It was just a little piece of it. So a little piece. That's a good segue. A little piece. That's right, actually. A little piece to fun size candy. Who likes fun size? Actually, I do like fun size now that I'm fat. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like it's a little taste, you know, of the candy. But then it just makes me think, I just ate like five or six of these little size ones. So it's like, why didn't I just buy a big size candy bar? See, we had a friend in elementary school who was like the smallest of all of us. And like the sort of person that you could easily pick up with one arm. And we used to call her fun size. (laughs) Why, you know, so it was introduced and I, I forgot to put the year in the notes, but it was like 63 or 64. Um, the Mars candy company put it out. Hmm. And 
I'm wondering what on earth possessed them to put out this teeny tiny crappy candy bar. As a kid, you don't want fun size. Like we can all agree to that, right? I it's called that- it's called fun size because it is the uh, it is the, the the minimum possible size that still counts as fun. If it were any smaller, it would cease to be that. If I if I had to guess, I'd say something like you know parents not wanting to give out a huge candy bar to each kid who came trick or treating. But as a kid, when you got that candy bar, how did you feel? That full candy bar, dude, candy. I felt that it was fun. I felt like I had scored a million bucks. Yeah, I, it was fun. It was my fun size, and they took it away. They took it away. It made it smaller, a little fun size. This used to be my playground. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think we should be giving kids fun size? Do we have a duty if we're candy distributors like that to give out the fun size? You know, that's what they're... Give out fun size. Uh, That's what they're... What? No, give out fun size. I'm serious. Because it's fucking expensive to buy like the... Like the really big ones. Yeah. That's a moolah. Literally, you have to bend over and give it to Scrooge McDuck. It's fucking expensive. The only duck in the world who can dive into discrete solids. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's mostly a question of cost, and uh, you know, not being the per- not being the person on the block who gives out uh, toothbrushes. Oh, you had someone do that? Yeah. My dad's a dentist. Oh, he hates Halloween. Now. I had actually, somebody that no, gave actually out no, fruit. Like, granted, you know. Okay, so my dad isn't the one who gives out the toothbrushes, because he's all like, this is just making future business. <laughs> Have more candy, oh, children. he's investing in his clients. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there, there's always that one person who gives out, like, you know, toothbrushes or like erasers. Someone who hates a dentist. <laughs> Just look at these crappy things. The Look at the quality on these bristles. These kids aren't going to get anything out of this. We're going to give you switch blades. There you go. Razor blades in the razor apple. blades. <laughs> Try an apple. Wait, what? Why did you give me an apple in a razor blade? <laughs> so it's Halloween. Okay, actually, this happened to me one time. You know, Dad and I were going to Walmart <laughs> to pick up the, uh, you know, Halloween candy. And on a separate thought, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm almost out of, you know, shaving equipment. And it's not until I get to the checkout line that I'm looking at, oh, look, Halloween candy and razor bl- Oh, shoot. <gasps> oh. <laughs> you- <laughs> That's the one thing you don't want to go through the line with. Like, you go cucumbers and, and lubricants, and but never the candy and the condom. The condom. The candy and the condom. <laughs> Boy, that was the worst what, what fairy kind of, tale ever. What, what kind of trick are you treating? Well, the candy and the condom. That that's Beauty and the Beast for a for a very very different sort of audience. I have to do this to myself now. <laughs> candy and the condom. But yeah, it was like it wasn't until I was like standing in front of the cashier and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh. Candy razor no, 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 this was, this isn't what it looks like. We have rope, <laughs> blindfold, drain cleaner, and <laughs> drain cleaner. Oh, that's terrible. So do you think that they should not call it fun size? Do you think that's our, our nice way of saying tiny, but we don't want to look cheap? Well, Is that what they say about people's penises? <laughs> it's a fun size. <laughs> I'm sure somebody does. Hi, Mom. Um. <laughs> what? 
Is your mom going to be listening to this? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I, I just said... I'm just. It just seemed like the appropriate thing to say right there, where it's just like making all these you know spectacularly filthy references, and then, hi mom, doctor. I seem to have a fun size problem. <laughs> so tugs. Yes. You have a story. I do. This is my story. It has no title. It's just my story. This is my story. This is the story of my life. No, it's not. That'd be a boring story. At which point... Hey, that's what we did last... At which point the Xanarkand theme starts playing. (laughs) (laughs) This is my story. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. The trouble started after the trip. Rue disappeared in the casino we were staying at, and it took an hour to find him. Normally, we would have assumed he was playing a slot machine, but we had to get back to the road and go home, so his timing was just terrible. On the way... Rue was quiet and just stared out the window for most of the journey. We asked if he was okay, and he said he was, but something was just off. The shows we did were fine, though something was still missing. Maybe it was the usual jokes. Maybe it was the fact he just used the same fortune cookie over and over. I couldn't figure it out. Another unusual thing happened, too. He seemed to hate his room. Whenever we recorded late, he'd be getting into bed, and as I said bye, he'd jump, startled as I knocked on his door to say my farewells. Finally, I'd had enough. I asked him a month or two after our trip what was up. He swore up and down he was fine, but confessed after some prodding he was sensing some stuff in his room. I asked if it was a ghost or something else, but he couldn't say. He just labeled it as a presence and explained how much he felt irritated and uncomfortable when it was near. I teased him a bit and asked if he needed me to tuck him in. He gave me the stink eye and we moved on to other topics. Well, it all came to a head after we finished recording last year's Halloween episode. We went out and had a fun time after the show, and we went back to his place to get the preliminary work on our next show done. We had a couple of drinks, but nothing heavy. You know that wall you hit when you just can't work anymore? Well, we hit it, and Rue finally stood and announced he was going to bed. After brushing his teeth and getting dressed for bed, I was closing down my laptop and stood to say goodbye. I knocked on his door, and as usual, he jumped. He fumbled and fidgeted a bit and turned to me and said, "Um, Can you check under my bed for monsters? I burst out laughing really hard. Was he serious? Rue got an angry face really quickly. Don't be a dick, dude. Just check. I kept laughing. Was the 20-something really asking me to check for monsters under his bed? Look, Tugs, he started to stammer, and I could tell he was upset, so I gave in and agreed to look under his bed. I lifted the sheet and looked under his bed using my phone as a light. I couldn't believe what I saw. Rue looked at me from under his bed, looking scared, and he whispered to me, Tugs, I think there's a monster on my bed. (laughs) What is that look on your face? They made a replicate? It's creepy. (laughs) Now I'm going to, like, need you to check underneath my bed. I, uh, in full disclosure, that was inspired by a tweet I read recently. Really? Yes. A ripple ganger. Yeah, yeah. I can just do this all night. (laughs) So what exactly did happen in the casino? Um, um, well, let's see. We had a black guy that came up to us and said... (laughs) (laughs) We're not retelling that story. (laughs) Let's have the game. Okay, the game. The game. So as is tradition, um, although we didn't do it last Halloween episode, the game is where we get to torture you. So we're going to read you some directions, and then you'll confirm you understand them, after which you will proceed to look incredibly smart. So, it says, Happy Halloween, kitties. Since this is the Halloween episode, we figure the game should be a fitting match to the topic. You're going to be asked 10 questions about the War of 1812. Each of you will submit your answers. Once they are submitted, we'll evaluate each one for accuracy. 
The correct answer earns you one point, and each mistake earns you torture and mocking. Questions? Mm, I'm good. I think I'm good from here. So are you ready? I'm yeah, totally and we've imagining. got our and our scorekeeper is ready over there. I'm kind of imagining the 1812 overture now. Good, good. Rue, why don't you lead us off? The treaty. No. Oh! Number one. Okay. What treaty ended the war of 1812? Each one of you needs to provide one answer before we. Yes. <laughs> All right, okay. that's his guess. The Treaty of Yes is his guess. Christian? Um, uh... Time? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> that was my answer. The Treaty of... All right, Rue, the answer is... The Treaty of... Ghent. Ghent. So, did, did Lupron get it right? No. No, don't do it twice. <laughs> Neither did Christian. <laughs> Question two. What country was used as a proxy country through which both sides fought for land? Canada. Your guess, Christian? Um, That's not a country. <laughs> try harder. Okay. Uh, uh, Luxembourg. All right. Looperand, you got it. You got right. a point. Canada was the proxy country. Oh, Luxembourg wow. is not. <laughs> so question three. What historic action occurred for the first time in Congress was relation to the War of ni- I mean, 1812? <laughs> the War of 1912. <laughs> <laughs> this, this one's not in the history books as much. Um <laughs> I thought they made a movie about it. It was called Titanic. Oh, yeah. That's where we declared war on the iceberg. <laughs> Boy, well, that would end badly. <laughs> <laughs> so what What did we do for the first time when it came to the War of 1812 with Congress? Uh, declare war. Christian? Um, uh, we installed glory holes in the restrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Luprend is correct. This war marked I don't know. the first time the United States Congress declared war on another country. I, I literally know nothing about the War of 1812. That's, so it, that's why we chose this topic. You're All doing right. very well. Uh, Luprin's like, not doing so bad. I'm like digging back to my 8th grade history class here. Wherever you are, Mrs. Edinburgh, thank you. <laughs> Question four. What famous city in the South had the last major battle before ending the war? Say, uh, Charleston. Charleston, Christian, your guess, and it can't be Mumble. Mumble. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> that was Mumble. I'm, I'm trying to think of a. S- I'm so ignorant. I can't think of a single city in the South. So, um. Well, I know it's not Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> Wisconsin. Texas. Or Wisconsin, Texas. Saskatoon, Wisconsin, Texas. Um, all right. Snorted. Uh, okay, I am going to go ahead and say, uh, um, I don't know, Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> You're both wrong. Uh, really? It is New Orleans. That is correct. Oh, right. There was a song about it. Dang. Yeah. Speaking of songs, good, good question time. Here we go. Do good you remember segue. the song? I remember, th- I remember there being a song. I 
uh, they fired their guns and the British kept coming. Blah blah that blah. That is blah, a good blah, song. Blah, blah. They fired okay. their That's guns the and then they went running. Anyway, now question number five: What well-known song today originated from the War of eighteen twelve? Yankee Doodle. Christian. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say "Flawed" by Tool. <laughs> <laughs> Every morning in your classroom. No one did this. No one? Oh, duh. The Star Spangled Banner. Francis Scott Key. The bombardment Winning. of the Fort <laughs> Mumble. Rue, mumble. Rue, Frustrated you, mumbling. You were thinking of the Pledge of Allegiance, I think. No, they also played the Star Spangled Banner as well. Maybe. Oh, that's right. what my school did. Oh, yeah, no, your no. school. Yeah. No, Not my school. I never did that. I didn't do that. <laughs> Question six. How much land was gained by the United States during the War of 1812? Like, we kept it after the war. Oh, wait, that was Jefferson who did the Louisiana Purchase. Um... Answer. Words. Words and other words. We gained words worth of land. Excellent guess. Yes. Christian. I'm going to go ahead and say five square inches. <laughs> None. The Treaty of Ghent declared all land boundaries would return to their original places from before the war. Oh. Technically, he didn't give an answer. No, he said words. Oh, I guess that was the answer. Okay, so question number seven. When was the last associated battle of the War of 1812? When? Hmm. We're looking specifically for a month and a year. A month and a year. Noctember of 1359. That is a very excellent guess. Um, no year. It is still going on today. (laughs) 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 Yeah! (laughs) Alright. May 1815. So it turns out Christian was right. (laughs) It... The Treaty of Ghent just never actually happened. We just talk about it. <laughs> no, it, it, actually, the history from behind this May 1815 date is that they forgot to tell one of the Indian tribes that was allied with, with Britain um, that <laughs> the war ended, so they were just going around attacking people. It's it, it's a common mistake. You know, we forget. It was like, oh, yeah, that war. There was no internet. Sorry, guys. Um, oh, 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 gosh. <laughs> All right, question eight. How many soldiers died, excluding Canadians? The historical figure for Canadians was not available. I don't know why. Oh, Canada. I, 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 well, I feel bad. I'm like, Canadians, they kind of matter, but apparently not in the history books. Just uh, saying. I just like the way it's phrased, is excluding Canadians. Like, <laughs> you well, guys can sit out in the hall or something. We're talking about wars now. You, you guys can just go, like, practice your manners they or something. Your, your deaths didn't matter. <laughs> According to history books, I don't know. I'm just saying. I was a little surprised. So how many how many soldiers died? Let's say a couple hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand? Sure. Uh, like four. <laughs> Fifteen thousand. Christian oh. was closer, technically. Yeah, he was. I like how I'm being so absolutely blasé about, you know... All these people died. So, like, 200,000? Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, question That's... number nine. One of the most famous wars. Moments. In... Oh, moments. <laughs> what? One of the most famous moments in the War of 1812 
is the burning of Washington. This includes the burning of the White House, Navy Yard, and what other government building? That was, <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> um, uh, Vice Presidential Mansion. Vice Presidential Mansion. Um, the, let's say uh, the French Embassy. <laughs> <laughs> The Brits just kind of wanted it gone. The capital. The capital. Okay. They wouldn't have actually burned the French embassy because France and Britain were allied for that war. At the time, I do remember. Yeah, I do remember that. Like, as the White House was burning, I think it was Dolly Madison who rushed in and cut out the uh, portrait of George Washington from its frame to save it because the frame was too heavy. So, oh, is it that really famous oil painting you always say? Yeah. Oh. They actually had to cut it out of the frame to. Like, she was running around gathering all of the uh, important documents, stuffing them into a carriage so that they wouldn't be lost with the burning. Well, thank hmm. you, Dolly Madison. Yeah, she was pretty freaking awesome. No kidding. So, Koru, where are we at as far as the score? I'm at zero. We have yeah, Christian with zero and Lupran with two. Ooh. All right, so you guys are neck and neck. Here's the last question. Ready? What political party is said to have collapsed as a result of the War of 1812? The Whigs. Um, we don't know they were forgotten when they <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> the Federalist Party. Oh, shoot. Although they, the other ones. They did come back. They are currently known as Republicans. Mm-hmm. Republicans. That is the correct answer. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the final score seemed to be the same as when we started yep. looking at them. Two to zero. Congratulations, you've done excellent in the game. <laughs> excellent. Good job. That was fun. Very relevant. Very relevant very to relevant. Halloween tugs. Yeah, so... Thank you for picking those very relative, relevant questions That's to what Halloween. I do. That's what I do. <laughs> He's always throwing the, nu- the game on the ground. Screw this! <laughs> so we have one last story for this episode. Let's hear it. Thanks again for everybody that did send the stories into us. It's been a very fun episode. You guys are awesome. So this is Donald. Donald's story. Who's got the sweetest disposition? (laughs) It's called Night Swimming. Speaking of swimming. Tires crunch over gravel. Clouds snared the moon in their shovels. Okay, <clears throat> we'll do that one more time. Night swimming. Tires crunch over gravel. Clouds snar- snarred the moon with their shrouds as the tiger kills his headlights. He got out of the car and locked it. The beep of the alarm echoed aloud along the trees. He tried to calm his pounding heart as he walked down the hill from a dead-end road to the lake. Once there, he slipped out of his clothes and stood naked on the bank. A breeze whispered around his orange and black fur. 
He folded his clothes and then set them in a neat pile on the the grass. The moon peeked out as a nude feline painted the world of shades of silver and black. He lit out a slow breath and waded into the inky lake. The cold water caressed its way up against his fur. He pushed off the lake's bottom and swam out deeper, muscles rippling with each precious stroke, precise stroke. The blood pumping through his system kept him warm. When he thought he was far enough out, he treaded water, gathering his courage. Then he took a deep breath and dove, dove down. He swam deep into the water's embrace. When the pressure grew too much, he popped his ears and continued his descent. As his lungs started to ache, he felt something under him. He snatched snatched it. He snatched at the bottom of the lake and flipped his body around. The muck stuck stuck at his feet as he tried to push off. At last, his body shot to the surface. He burst through the water and took an air in big gasps. He held his paw up to the moonlight. Black muck oozed between his fingers, revealing a stone. The tiger let the stone drop back down into the depths and washed his paw in the water to clean it. The clouds captured the moon once more. He shivered but took another breath and dove deep again and again he dove his world came a cycle of black sky black water black muck each time the tiger surfaced the object was in his paw the object in his paw was nothing the water numbed his body but he but he still dove he had to he had to find the body parts he dumped in the lake before the police did the end every precious stroke <laughs> your treat ladies and gentlemen we have thought really hard all all year as we got ready for this episode but your real treat was hearing grew read that wonderful story by Donald. So thank you, Donald, for a good story. Yes, thank you for sending that in to us. So we are going to be skipping the listener mailbag for today. Yeah, we, we decided to read more stories, and next episode we'll get to the emails that we had. And so uh, Hazard, and I'm not going to try because I know he laughs, but Blue Ball, uh, <laughs> your emails are in the queue, don't worry. We have not forgotten you. Uh, before we announce next episode, uh, just, we just want to thank everyone one more time for sending in their stories. We want to thank our guests for coming in. We want to thank Christian for hauling his gigantic grand piano organ 
up here. Thank you for hauling your organ. Mm. I hold it, all my organs. It, it, <laughs> it's a nice organ. He gets a good grip on it, and it just starts making all kinds of noise. Yeah, you are quite the master with the skin flute. Um, but I hope also, that part actually doesn't make noise. That would not be ideal. <laughs> it sounds like a piccolo. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun-sized. <laughs> Yeah, by fun, I mean... <clears throat> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, speaking of being thankful for things, um, it's not next episode, but we are going to do a gratitude episode, yes? Yes. yes Something so, to be thankful for. Yeah, so start thinking of the things that you are thankful for, and just like this episode, we'll read what you were thankful for on the air. If you want to give someone a shout-out, or say thank you to them, and you know they listen to the show, or they don't listen to the show, and you get them to... Send it to us, and we'll start collecting those and getting ready. We'll announce the date for the for the gratitude episode at some point soon. Also, another thing that we would enjoy for you to send in to us, if you wouldn't mind sending us in, like what you would like to hear about on the show, um, what topics, what what things do you want us to talk about? Yeah, I mean, we have tons and tons of things that we can continue to talk about, but it's stuff that me and Tugs wants to talk about. So what do you want to hear us talk about? Yeah, we, we try and pick what we think is interesting, but if there's an unusual angle or even just a simple sentence you think we could turn into a show, trust me, it's topics are laying around. You just got to look for them. We, we'd love to cookies. hear your ideas. Oh, send, yes, send cookies. Send cookies. Send cookies. Don't forget, we still want to try all the Tim Tams. Next episode, Rue, what is it? The next episode is Online Identities versus the Workplace. Where do you draw the line? So, are you a furry at work? Do you leave it at home? Except for Halloween, of course. Um, do people know? Do you tell people? What's up? Tell us. Or why you wouldn't tell people at work. So, once again, we want you to send us information about, you know, what do you tell people at at work about yourself, your personal life? Do you tell them at all anything? I mean, do you tell anything to them and about it, your personal life? And is you it difficult? Your, oh, do you get your paycheck addressed to Firewolf the Magnificent? <laughs> <laughs> well, and something to think about is like, we live in a world where everyone but me and two people have Facebook. So do people give you a hard time? Do you keep separate profiles? What do you do to keep them separate? Are you worried someone's going to find it? How would it affect your work environment? All those things we want to know. So cast it for what it's worth.com or anything else Fire Breath mentioned. And that's it. Well, thank you again for joining us for a special Halloween episode. And we look forward to being with you again. So this has been Rue. <laughs> this is Tugs. <laughs> and Kuru. And uh, Luprand. Christian. And this has been <laughs> For, for what, what It's Worth. For What It's Worth. <laughs> You still have to say it. What? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> say it. For what it's worth. <laughs> For what it's worth. <laughs>